This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hey, everyone. This is Boomer Esiason, and I am so excited to welcome you to my new Game Time podcast right here on Odyssey, where every week I'll be joined by one of the world of sports' most celebrated stars, Today, we are pleased to have with us one of the brightest defensive stars in the National Football League and one of its most dedicated philanthropists, Washington's captain and Pro Bowl defensive lineman, Jonathan Allen. Jonathan, it is great to see you again and welcome to Game Time. Thank you. I appreciate you guys for having me. All right. So, you know, last year you were the captain of the Washington football team. You like the new name, Commanders? I do like it. I do like it. Um, I feel like it's something that the fans can really get behind. And once we actually start playing some games and start to build that history with it. You know, the fans will definitely get more behind it. You know, it's definitely funky and it's different because people aren't used to it. But I think it'll really start to grow on people as the seasons go by. You know, a lot of new things happening in Washington. One of them is a new quarterback, Carson Wentz. Uh, you know, how's that going with him and how has he ingratiated himself to, especially the defensive guys on your team? It's really been going good. I mean, he's been coming in every day early staying late, working hard, all the things you expect out of a starting quarterback in the National Football League. During lunch, he sits with everybody, defensive backs, running backs, linebackers, D-line, O-line. So he's really just doing what he can to really speed up the process of getting to know everybody because we don't have time to years to build that chemistry. We have to do it over a short period of time because we're, I mean, we're trying to win now. You got your hand in the dirt. You work hard. I understand all that. You're a defensive lineman. Normally quarterbacks are... Uh, kind of like uh, allergic to people like you. Uh, but then I can just imagine when you see Terry McLaurin, your outstanding wide receiver, sign that big contract extension. I'm sure you're happy for him, but what does scary Terry bring to the locker room now that he has signed, sealed, and delivered? You know, Coach Rivera preaches the message about culture. And when you pay guys like Terry, guys who are everything that this culture that we're trying to build is about, it, it, it sends a message to what's important to this organization. Yes, we want to win football games, and you know as well as I do, before you go out and win football games, you have to have a winning atmosphere day in and day out well before Sundays come around during the season time. And Terry's a guy who helps bring your culture to that level of excellence. Then on top of that, he'll go out there and catch 100, 100 yards receiving, maybe two touchdowns and 16 balls for you on a Sunday. So, I mean, he does everything that we ask him for, everything and more. And, I mean, he's exactly the kind of guy that you want on your team. You know, I'm glad you brought up Coach Ron Rivera and culture change because when he first got there, that's what the moniker was. And we in the media always wonder whether or not 
that's a media talking point. You know, every coach says that about the organization that they're about to run. And it's not been easy for Ron Rivera, to say the least, dealing with his own personal issues and cancer and then dealing with all the, you know, the, the controversy around your team. But I guess it truly is something that he is preaching to you guys and that you guys are buying into. A hundred percent. I mean, Coach Rivera's, he's won at the highest level. He was an 85 bear. Many argue one of the greatest teams to ever play. He went to the Super Bowl with the Carolina Panthers. So he's seen what winning is like. And when you've seen it, you know, like the, the, the culture, I guess, is the only word that really fits. That is needed to be mature enough to go through a long season and then a long playoff right now. I mean, I was telling the rookies the other day, like, guys, you guys really don't understand what's coming. In college, the month of December, you get it off. You get to go home, relax. Then you come back, like, in, in the NFL, you're grinding that entire time. And then they added another game. So we're playing until middle of January. And then we want to go on a playoff. So, like, it's a long season. And mentally, you got to be mature enough and have a culture that builds taking care of your body and doing all the little things right to help you, you know, sustain and be ready to play late in the season. You know, I remember the time that, uh, by the way, I did play against the 85 Bears, and yes, they were probably the best defense that the <laughs> league has ever seen. Although I think Ray Lewis and Lawrence Taylor may have a few yeah, words yeah. to say about that, but I still think they were the best. They, they were the most uh, assaulting, if you will, especially on opposing quarterbacks. Um, you know, I, I'll never forget the first time my, my coach, Sam Weish, called me into his office and he said, congratulations, you made the Pro Bowl. Uh, you made your first Pro Bowl. What was that for you? And I'm, I guess that's kind of like... You know, it, it's validation that you belong, that you're one of the best players at your position in the league. I think, you know, when people talk about accolades and awards, they're all, you know, they mean a lot to a lot of people. But the ones that mean the most are the ones that your peers decide, you know. And I understand that players make up, I think it's what, one third and then it's like associated press and fans. But that tells me that what my peers think of me, you know, and I think that's what was so you know, gratifying about making the pro, but that I'm viewed as one of the elites, not just amongst the fans or the press, but the guys who also play the position. So that's why I meant so much to me this year. The NFL 360 on you is great, Jonathan. Thank you. Thank you. That was a lot of, they, they put in a lot of work for that. So I'm glad it turned out, glad it turned out the way it did. But, you know, being open about it, John, not everybody would be as open uh, about it as you are, but you're making a difference. That's the key. That's, that's the no. most important thing. Uh, you know, I feel like I feel like the Lord has blessed me so much to bring me where I've been. I think it would be selfish of me not to not to share what I've been through and just I don't know. <laughs> well, you're paying it back, and that's where we're going to go right now. When Jonathan Allen was three years old, folks, his parents divorced. His mother suffered from mental health issues. A few years later, he and his older brother were placed in child protective services. They were told that they had five minutes to fit whatever they could into a backpack and were sent into the system. And Jonathan, you know, I look at you today and I can't even imagine what an eight-year-old boy must have felt like when you were told those harrowing words and what that was like and where you were headed. Yeah, I mean, as a, as a kid, you'd be surprised how you handle certain situations. Um, for me, I was blessed enough to have my older brother. So it was never as bad as it could have been. But looking back on my life, I look at all the kids who didn't have somebody like my brother and going through that by themselves. And I can't imagine what they're going through. So, um, I mean, it, it was definitely a difficult time and a challenging time, but I, that, it really grew a bond between me and my brother that probably closer with him than anybody else. So 
that's why you know today I just try to I try to be that person for some kid who doesn't have an older brother or an older sister or somebody to help him get through these uh, difficult times. You know, if people don't know this. Your father, meantime, while all this is going on with you and your older brother, was stationed in South Korea as a nuclear, biological, chemical warfare specialist in the U.S. Army. So, how did he come to your rescue? Oh man, my dad is my hero. Um, when he got back, I mean, obviously, is is the custody of children and law is never quick and easy and painless. Um, it's usually long and drawn out and difficult, and there's a lot of studying to trying to determine what the best fit for the children. It's just a long process that takes, I mean, I don't know how long it should take, but way longer than it should take, you know? Um, so after months and years of doing that, we were able to be reunited with my dad, and we ended up moving to Washington a, for about a couple of months before we finally settled in Virginia. And uh, man, he, he's he's my hero. He's a guy I try to mold my life after every day. And um, <laughs> the man I am today is because of him. Can you remember the moment when you ran full speed into your dad's arms when you finally got back together as a family? 1,000%. Oh, 1,000%. Remember like it was yesterday. It was awesome. One of the best feelings of just relief, but sacks. I wasn't going to be able to be next to my mom anymore, but just so many, so many emotions. And like as an eight-year-old kid, like, man, you could barely express what you want for dinner, let alone all that stuff. So I, it was, I was, I was, I was pretty quiet. You know, I didn't really know how to internalize it or vocalize it, but it was definitely one of the greatest days of my life. You know, you once said, once you're in the system, it's impossible to get out. What might've happened had your father not been as heroic? Honestly, I do not know. I mean, I think we could speculate about things I could be or might not have been, but there's that, I think that's the scariest part is really the unknown future that I would have had if he didn't get me out, you know? So um, I thank God every day for the blessing he put in my life with my father and my brother, and I try to pass that forward. You know, it's clear to see why your dad is your hero. What are his core values that he has passed on to you? Biggest thing is discipline, humbleness, and being on time. Oh, that's that's probably the biggest thing. <laughs> he does not like being five minutes early because that's still too close. You got to be well before to be on time. And that's probably the biggest thing that he taught me. Well, meeting you a few years ago and now talking to you today, I can see that you've lived up to every single one of his virtues without question. And when we return, what's life really like behind the scenes at Alabama's famous football factory? We'll ask Jonathan why he appreciated enduring Nick Saban's demanding crimson side process after these messages. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the Game Time with Boomer Esiason podcast. After Jonathan Allen and his older brother were rescued from the foster care system by their dad, they settled in Ashburn, Virginia, as he just said. If that Washington, D.C. suburb sounds familiar, that's because it's the headquarters of the NFL commanders. It's also the home of Stonebridge High School's Bulldogs. Now, when you moved to Ashburn, did you or your dad know that Stonebridge was a football powerhouse? 
So at first, no, there was a couple of schools that we were looking at. We were looking at Stonebridge. We were looking at Broad Run and we we're looking at Woodbridge and then some of the other local schools. And when we told them, you know, we were interested in going to a school that, you know, had a pretty reputable uh, high school football program. They all recommended me to Stonebridge. And then when I went there, I found out they went to states back to back. So I was like, this, this has to be it. This is where I want to go. Is it true that you started as a wide receiver and defensive back? I did. So I played running back and linebacker my entire life growing up. I've always been super tall. I hit six foot in like the fifth grade summer going into sixth grade. So I've always been super tall and lengthy. So my freshman year, I'm sitting at six, two and a half, 170 pounds. That's not really who you're thinking for as a, as a defensive end. So I played receiver for a summer. Obviously, wasn't natural at it because I just didn't do it. And, uh, yeah, I still remember the day Coach Mickey Thompson asked me to – or asked me, told me to play defensive end. I was devastated because I feel like now it's cool to be a defensive lineman. But growing up, you didn't you didn't grow up in the 90s, early 2000s, saying you wanted to be a defensive lineman. Like, it was running back, quarterback, or safety, or middle linebacker. So Well, I think Bruce day. Smith might have something to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you also were widely uh, recruited, you know, Boston College, USC, Ohio State, you name it, Oklahoma, Florida, among, I'm sure, many, many others. I'm sure the University of Maryland, my alma mater was all over you as well. Why did you want Alabama knowing that it was Nick Saban and, was, and it was going to be tough? So I didn't even know I wanted them at first. Um, me, I was just like, when I first got my first offer at Temple, I was ecstatic, super fired up about it. And for the longest time, I wanted to go to NC State. Um, went on visits there, loved the defensive line coach, but then the coaches got fired, and that kind of lost my interest a little bit. And then my new thing was Florida. I love Florida. I was obsessed with Florida. Went down there, saw Coach Muschamp, pretty much told him, like, I'm almost ready to commit, but I have a visit to Alabama coming up on Monday. I just want to do my due diligence and see them first, but I love it here in Florida. Went down to Alabama, and it was just unbelievable. Never saw anything like that. And – that, I, I instantly knew that was a school I wanted to go to. You know, when kids ask you about going to Alabama, if they have a chance, you always seem to say, are you sure? What exactly does that mean? Coach Saban said, if you come down to Alabama, the only thing I can guarantee you is the opportunity to show me your talents and what you can do. I can't guarantee that you'll ever see the field. I can't guarantee that you'll ever play for me but I can guarantee that you'll have an opportunity to play. Then he would say, but if I'm talking to you, I highly believe that you can be a phenomenal player for us. And then you go down there and it's the hardest thing you ever have to do. Cause he also said that going to Alabama is a 40 year decision, not a four year decision. If you want to come down and have fun and play football and win some games and party, well, this is probably not going to be the school for you. But if you come down with a desire to be the best person you can be, best football player you can be, be the smartest you can be with your degree, with a chance of playing the NFL, then Alabama is your program. And it's a grind. It, college was not fun for me because at the end of the day, it was a four-year sacrifice to set up my life to do everything I wanted to do. So it was hard. It was. You actually could have came out a year earlier. Why did you stay an extra year? So I had to have surgery. I had to have labrum surgery. They gave me like a late, mid to late first round grade. And then I had to have labrum surgery. So I wasn't going to be able to do the combine or pro day. And Coach Bo Davis, who I really trusted, and Coach Saban, they left the decision up to my hands. Um, they told me that I feel like if you come back, you can solidify yourself as a guaranteed first-round pick, if not top 10, and I trusted them. And my fiance, my girlfriend at the time, who's my wife now, she still had an extra year there or two more years there, and we talked about it you know, amongst each other, and 
after talking to her, my wife, who's my wife now, Hannah, Coach Saban and Coach Bo Davis, I just I had to take a chance. I don't know. It was it was really hard. It was really tough. But I just feel like I I feel like that extra year, you know, would help put me in a better spot and best decision I've ever made in my life. You know, I guess you uh, majored in financial planning and consumer affairs. Why did you pick those? So when you first get to college, you know, all you're blasted with is the numbers of who makes it to the NFL. The 1% of the 1%, 99% don't make it. Pick something that you can you can live with or, you, you know, you know, all the statistics people yeah. like to throw at you. So I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I knew I was interested in business, but I was like, man, I want to do something that if football doesn't work out. I can really fall back on. And I chose financial planning and it was tough. It was <laughs> tough. There was times I wish I didn't do it, but it really educated me about, you know, how money actually works. And I mean, I'm no, I'm no guru by any means, but I, I feel like I'm, I'm savvy enough to understand basic things that help me even to this day. So you just missed the NIL explosion that is happening all over college football right now. Do you think these young kids that actually do make a lot of money from their name, image, and likeness are prepared to handle this? Um, are they prepared? I think some will, most more than likely not. I mean, I, I think if you survey the population, nobody at the age of 17 or 18 can handle hundreds of thousand dollars or even millions. I'll say this. I like this system better than the other system. Making this money as opposed to nothing. I, I do think this system needs, I mean, obviously it's brand new. It still needs some time to maybe rules or regulation or guidelines. It's kind of like the wild, wild west. There's really no like law. So anything's happening and that's great. I want these kids to make money. But whenever you add money to something, which the money was already there, but whenever money is pumped into something, that's when... It, it can get a little crazy, and I, I just don't want to see kids miss out on an opportunity to make way much more money in the NFL because they're too busy worrying about the money they can get now, which is important. Don't get me wrong, but there's a balance with everything. So I just want to make sure they're smart about it, not taking advantage of taxes. Like every, there's so much that comes along with this. Taxes. We can do a whole nother show on taxes, Jonathan. <laughs> I could talk to Jonathan all day long. Jonathan Allen was drafted by Washington in the first round, 17th overall. Now, Jake Gruden was the head coach when they drafted you, Jonathan. Do you remember that phone call? I do. I just remember him calling me. And I, honestly, I don't even remember what he said. I just knew that I was going there. I heard his name, head coach. Pfft, emotions went crazy. I, only, I have no idea what he said to me, but I just knew <laughs> I was going there. And I was just like, thank God. Thank God. Yeah, because, you know, you're actually come full circle now. You're going home, and I'm assuming, do you still vis visit your high school to this day? Yeah, I go there all the time. It's, it's crazy seeing, just being, growing up, I would have never in a million years imagined myself living like 10, 15 minutes from where I played high school football at. Uh, it's got to be great for your dad, though, right? Oh, he loves it. My whole family's here. My dad, my little sister graduated from my high school. My older brother's uh, stationed here in the Army, so it. It's, it's a blessing, man. We are blessed. Well, it's a blessing and a curse because you got to buy all those tickets every week, don't you? You know, people say that's a negative or a curse, but in my opinion, I'm so blessed to even be here. I'm like, you know what? Eight games a year? Sure, why not? All right, how about two years ago? You guys go 7-9. and nine, You make it to the playoffs. You win the NFC East. And you got Tom Brady and the Buccaneers hanging on by a thread, and you're led by Taylor Heineke. How disappointing was that loss because you guys came so close to that massive upset? It was tough. 
it was tough. I think there's different there's different kinds of losses, you know. The loss where a better team beats you or you lose because they make good plays, you can live with that more than losing the game because you're just playing bad or you're making mistakes. I felt like we played a phenomenal game. We had a great game plan. They just made a couple more plays at the end of the game than we did. And like Coach Saban would say, if you go out there and give it to the best of your ability and you know you play good football, you can hang your hat up. Hey, they were the better team that day. And um, obviously we wanted to win and we were disappointed, but we went out there and we, we, we gave them hell, and we know we did. Do you like playing better in the 4-3 or the 3-4? Uh, you, know, you know, in both systems, I play a little bit of both. Um, I would say 4-3 now because it's not a running game anymore. You know what I mean? Teams don't run the ball 30, 40 times like they used to. It's a passing league. And then in the 4-3, you're able to get up the field and be more disruptive and make more plays in the passing game. So I would definitely say 4-3 just because of the style of all the NFL plays. You know, there was a guy that visited you this uh, this uh, this year at, at minicamp. And, uh, you know, he and I had a few choice words in the past. His name's Warren <laughs> Sapp. And, uh, you know, like uh, he came and visited with your defensive line. Uh, any words of wisdom from the great Warren Sapp? When I listen to, like, Hall of Famers, it really doesn't even matter what sport they play. Like Warren Sapp or, or LeBron or, like, Kobe, Michael Jordan, you listen to their mentality. It's not about what they do. It's about how they do it. Like when you, when you, when you listen to guys like, like Peyton Manning talk, like it's just different how they approach the game and how they think about things. And that's what really I heard with Warren Savage just how he approaches things. And I feel like I, I think about a lot of things the similar way that he does. So just hearing him, the way he described the intensity and tenacity you got to play with to play defense line, I love to hear it. And that's what I feel like, separates the good players from the grace just like Aaron Donald when you listen to how he does things or how he talks about things it's just different you know it is different and I will say that Tampa Bay had a great defense with Warren Sapp right in the middle of that damn defense he was a pain in the neck literally all right we're going to take a quick break and then share what Jonathan Allen has in common with the late great Walter Payton as game time continues right after this It's the Game Time with Boomer Esiason podcast. We're back with Jonathan Allen, who has four simple but powerful words he wants to direct at children who are homeless or trapped in America's foster care system. Jonathan's message, you are not alone. Jonathan, how did you get this word out to the audience that hears it most? What else can we do to get this out to them? For me, I I feel like time is one of the most precious resources that you can give. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with giving money, but I, I feel like that's something that can be misconstrued your intentions. You know, when you give time to go down and actually spend time with these kids, that's what they need. Yes. Money definitely goes a long way and it helps. I'm not saying it's not, but when you sit down and just talk to some of these kids who probably haven't had anyone to truly talk to, man, is it, it really does make the world a difference for them. You know, whenever I go down to, um, Sasha Bruce in DC, I, more times than not, I don't even have to say anything. At first, they're very hesitant, but then when I just sit down, start joking with them, playing the game with them, don't want anything, they just start opening up. And the more times I go, the more they're just like, man, they just have so much to say. You know, I was going to say, you do put your money where your mouth is. There's no question about that. And you are involved with Sasha Bruce's youth work and also Grace Covenant Church. So, how do you and your wife? Hannah help them other than just by giving of your time? 
I mean, God, we do so many things. Obviously, we like to donate. We like to try to build build up the church, um, build up Sasha Bruce. We did an innovation lounge, which gave them access to tablets, game consoles, computers. And it happened right before COVID, which was a blessing because they weren't able to go to school. Um, Christmas drive, toy drive, buy Christmas gifts for families every year. Thanksgiving, we go out and hand turkeys out to some of the not as nice parts in D.C. and really just... Any way we can help, we a lot of times we end up asking some of the people at Sasha Bruce what they need, and then we go based off what we get back. You know, people need to know that you and Hannah both pledged over $3 million to local charities over the course of your career with Washington. And I know why it's important for you to do that, but why should other people support what you're trying to get done? Um, I'll, I'll say this. I'll say like uh, my, my good D-line coach, Jim Tom, told me a, a kid doesn't choose a circumstance. It doesn't choose where to be born. It doesn't choose the life that is brought into. And a lot of times they're in situations that they have no control over. There's nothing they could have done to change that. And I, and I, I just think that's the saddest thing, you know, that I'm here and some person who could have been me isn't here. So I'm just trying to make sure everyone has an opportunity. Obviously, we understand life is not fair. And there's going to be some who have and some who have not. But I just think if we can at least give people the opportunity, who knows what can come of that. You know, your coach, Ron Rivera, played with the great Walter Payton. And you're a two-time nominee for Walter Payton Man of the Year. I'm sure you're going to win it one of these years with everything that you've done. Has Ron ever talked to you about Walter and, and what he meant to the Bears and overall what he has meant to the NFL in terms of leaving a legacy? He has. We spent a lot of time talking about uh, Walter Payton and just just the kind of person he was. And I actually had the honor of meeting his family. And that was kind of like a surreal moment out in California this year, this year, just meeting the guy that you hear so many stories about and talk to his daughters. And I'm pretty sure it was his wife. And it's just it, it was it was it was phenomenal. Jonathan, only two players I would ever stop and watch when we played against them. One was Barry Sanders. but He was impossible to watch because he was moving all over the place. But second was Walter Payton because of how physical and how great and, de- and how dedicated he was. One of the and really one of the nicest guys off the field as well. Now, this was interesting. I found this out. You and your wife got married and you had your uh, wedding reception at Bryant Denny Stadium in Tuscaloosa. Is that right? Yes, we did. We got married in the Catholic Church, had a reception at the very top of Bryant Denny Stadium. It was unbelievable. And Hannah was cool with that. Oh, she loved it. Oh, my God. It was awesome. <laughs> Maybe not now, but at the time, the only other person to get married up there was Coach Saban's daughter. So we share that bond and uh, meant a lot to us. You know, finally, we talked a lot about your dad and his heroic, uh, you know, meaning to you in your life. And, and we also talked a little bit about your mom. And I, I know that you've said, I'm not sure if you found her yet, but um, is there any word on whether or not you've actually found your mom and, and are you looking for her? So we actually did find her and we have been in communication. Um, We're just taking it slow. I mean, after being separated for so long, it's kind of hard to just all of a sudden pick back up where we left off, you know, so things are going good. And and from my point of view, things are in God's hands. You know, we're going to keep moving and we're going to keep working to grow. You know, Jonathan, well said, man. And it was so great to talk to you today. This is Boomer Esiason. And be sure to listen next week on my new Game Time podcast when I welcome Mets hard-hitting center fielder Brandon Nimmo. And thank you for listening.